Press, episode number 57. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Well, Greg, and... I'm just back in the door. I've, uh, I was speaking in the Netherlands just a few hours ago and uh, got a plane home and here I am, ready for a new Radio TFS. Rock on. Were you uh, speaking anything like interesting, anything cool, anything ALM-ish? Well, I talked about some of the things we did. We're going to talk about today, so hopefully. But uh, yeah, I previewed the. Uh, I did about the Git tools and um, mostly about. I, I tell you what, I, did, I was explaining the different modes of doing version control, and you know, because TFS in the service uh, supports basically every mode of version control you could ever want to use. Um, right. With because you've got uh, traditional check in check out, you've got the edit commit mode with local workspaces, and then you've got um, you know DVCS with Git now, and it's amazing. I'd kind of build it as a Git talk, you know, but I started talking about local workspaces and then realised ninety percent of the crowd didn't really know about local workspaces yet either. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot this was new. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's talk about local workspaces. Look, they're cool. Look, you just edit files and it's all magic and everyone talks to each other. And if you delete some files locally and then do the latest, the files appear again. It's brilliant. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was good. It was. I really enjoyed it. And um, I used a program on the Mac called um, Cathode, which is a fancy um, terminal for the Mac, basically. And you can set different modes to it and you can set it to look like a 1970s TV with all the like fuzzy lines and little <laughs> raster scanning and uh, you know weird fishbowl sort of thing. So I did that when I was doing command line. So yeah, it was good. It was good fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, the it was in the Netherlands and I've, the Netherlands audience. I've never ever had a bad session in the Netherlands. They're always a really good crowd and you know, they always uh, laugh at the right time and they're always really interactive and yeah, it was really good. Really enjoyed it. So if anyone's um, in the Netherlands who listens to the show and you don't go to the Tech Days conference, sorry, you just missed it because it it, I've just come away from it now. But make sure you go to it because it's, it's one of the best conferences I go to, Microsoft conferences that I go to. And uh, the price of it, I think it's like $500 or 500 euros probably, I guess, is what they charge attendees <laughs> or something. But it's... Um, it's basically a little mini two-day tech head, you know, all the same content and a lot of the same speakers, actually, that you'd get at Tech Head Europe or in this, you know, Tech Days event. And it's really good. It's really compact. And it's just always a great crowd. So I'd encourage you to go along to that if you don't already. Nice, nice. Well, this was a pretty exciting week. We had a, a lot of uh, ALM TFS stuff released this week. Uh, yeah, when you when you start recapping, the, everyone will get really bored of my voice if I cover it. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, okay, well, then I'll start off with that. We'll uh, talk about, you know, what we did is they're continuing. It seems like we talk about this every show, and that, given their cadence, that's not really surprising. But um, the dev team released CTP4 of Update 2. Uh, for Visual Studio and for TFS, uh, there's a post from Charles Sterling. You can get that tiny URL, vs2012ctp2a. I'm not really sure why. Oh, two for update two a. Uh, and then Charles Sterling goes on some high level uh, items, uh, improvements in this uh, CTP4. Uh, one of the key ones that I liked a lot and that was always, you know, holds things back is that um, CTP4, update to CTP4 is go live, which means you can and it is supported in production. That means if you install this version of it, when the RTM or RTW version comes out, they'll support upgrading 
it as well. So, um, you know, you have to realize this is still pre-release stuff um, and things will change between this and RTM. But uh, again, they are explicitly say, uh, stating upgrading from C update to CTP4 to update to RTM is fully supported. So, uh, you know, if you guys have been listening to us and hearing about all the cool things that are in these updates, such as in um, CTP4, one of the big features is the HTML client and SharePoint support for LightSwitch is live. Uh, you know, LightSwitch previously was a Silverlight uh development environment uh, or de deployment environment. Now the, the HTML client is there and um, that's going to be uh, light switch. You know, this is you know, rev two for light switch. There's some awesome things you can do on the back end with creating O data services and stuff. People have called it, you know, like kind of the access for, you know, I, you know, the newer generation for the tens, but it, it's much better than it's a lot cooler. And I really hope this thing takes off. Uh, but yeah. there's other things included in this one as well is uh, inline editing of test switches when you're in the browser-based test management. Um, lots of SharePoint um, stuff ha has been added to support IntelliTrace, you know, the Kanban board. You can now fully customize that, and there's a, a number of walkthroughs and how you can edit the swim lanes for TFS admins, you know, either real admins or accidental admins, like I've, I'm starting to become, uh, you know, with 2012. You know, we talked about this also previously on how, you know, they're not going to support um, – SQL Server 2012 for TFS 10 because they couldn't take advantage of all the features that uh, SQL Server 2012 provides. Well, in Update 2, they are turning on all those features. So now TFS 2012 and SQL Server 2012, those cool SQL Server features like the always-on and database mirroring, that's now available in a TFS. So. Also, uh, Brian Harry, of course, blogged about this update, um, which you can get at tinyurl vs2012ctp2b, as in Bravo. Uh, he goes into a little bit, uh, it's a much shorter post, uh, talks about more of the TFS 2012 update 2 features like the backup and store, restore power tools integrated um, into the product. Um, one of the things we're going to talk about later in, an, in another story is that when you uh, – they're taking extra steps to make sure that when you apply this update that you, all your configuration settings and, and basically your updates and your settings are easier when applying these updates. And the whole uh, uninstall and reinstall gets a little bit less scary when doing this. Well, we'll talk about that in another one. Uh, he talks about, again, the Kanban columns and provides a link to the um, customization and detail walkthrough on that. So, you know. Well, speaking about, Greg, the, uh, the, the update to CTP, obviously we've been pushing out all those, all those bits um, to everybody in, in, in the, on the service every single uh, sprint as well. So if you go to uh, tinyurl.com slash TFS, mar4 mar4 you'll learn all about the updates from the yeah the, this last uh, sprint we did and um there's some really cool stuff that's out there that's you know also in the the ctp for the update basically um you know uh, the kanban stuff's in and and live um but 
and obviously the test. Um, did you did we mention the test step stuff? Chuck mentions it in his blog post anyway that you referenced earlier. The fact that you can now um, the web based testing uh, test manager, you can edit test steps and things like that easily inside that. But the feature which I'm particularly proud of, mainly because my team did it. Uh, oh, and schedule builds for Git, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but the, the thing that my team did, which I'm particularly proud of, is uh, we've got um, annotate support now in the web. And, you know, it's very good, but it's you don't use annotate every day. And that was something I was thinking about. Quite often, you see big annotate buttons everywhere, and you don't actually need it very often. But So you want it there, but you want it fairly subtle, you know. So we kind of made it a bit subtle and made it out of the way. But when you can be just browsing code, you think, hey, who on earth changed that line? Who do I blame for doing this <laughs> this particular thing here? And what you do is you just press the um, annotate button that's while you're browsing source, and it slides out in this fancy, you know, transition. It slides out a little margin and background loads all the different people who changed all the different lines. And as you're scrolling up and down, or as you're moving up and down in the text, it'll actually highlight the the line that you're on. It'll highlight that commit or change set in the in the margin and highlight other you know other lines that were also added as part of that change set as well and it's just a nice experience so if you as you scroll um there's you know you've got the data that's in the margin like who edited it and when they edited it and what the change set was as you scroll down that stays at the top of the window until until you've scrolled past that box and then the next one replaces it and just cool little things like that i was really quite <laughs> pleased so i i'd like say it's a form of blame that doesn't suck so uh, <laughs> And I like that they did it across both repository types, you know, that it works on both Git and uh, TFVC. I, I like that, that, you know, it's, they're, they're both such, you know, first-class citizens. Yeah, I saw another like comment on Brian's blog this morning. Somebody was saying, "So does this mean TFVC is getting you know replaced by Git or something like that?" And I'm like, "No," <laughs> and uh, you know, and hopefully doing things like this just shows you know we we just we add the features to both at the same time they're both you know they're both they're both peers in the system and we're trying to um get the best of both worlds not get the best of both worlds make dvcs and git make tfs work well for distributed workflows and make it work well for centralized workflows and and understand and help everyone understand that these workflows are very different and you want to pick them you know pick the right one for you um but get the use the most of each but when you've got a tool like annotate that applies equally to both let's just go we'll just enable that for both when we you know as we build it it's all it's all the same code that runs on the server you know it's so it's, it's actually not too much work for us to build it for both if it makes sense you know so uh, yeah it's good anyway so that's the um, that's over on the service now. As well as those updates, we also, as you mentioned, shipped a new version of the um, the Git provider for Visual Studio. So if you go to um, tinyurl.com/slash/git4vs, get the number four vs, that'll take you through and allow you to download the latest version of the the Git provider. You will need CTP four. Of Visual Studio update two to uh, <laughs> run that. If you, so, this is again only for people who like being on the bleeding edge. But um, it's some good stuff. 
it actually it downloads an MSI file now just to validate that it is actually um, you have got the update four bits before it allows you to install the V6. So uh, that's that's quite handy. Um, and then we also um, we been enabling, as I say, the gated builds, uh, not gated builds, so scheduled builds and um, uh, the continuous integration builds for. Um, git and if you go to turnurl.com slash git 0800 Andy Lewis takes you through some of the features that just got added in this new release of the git tools so he talks about the scheduled builds how to set up a git scheduled build using um, you need, again you need Visual Studio Update 4 uh, sorry CTV4 of Update 2 wow it's all very confusing <laughs> you need the latest Visual Studio build to do this um, but if you do, if you install it, then you can create schedule builds and uh, continuous integration builds for Git. And Andy shows you how to do that. And he also shows you about all the cool stuff we've been doing with um, conflict resolutions in uh, the Visual Studio tools. I mean, Git's really good at branching, but merging can still be painful. You know, you always have the same problems with merges. And you always get conflicts when you merge. It doesn't matter which shiny tool you're using. You always get conflicts. And so... Um, the tooling we're building into Visual Studio just draws on all the graphical merge stuff we built for TFVC and just extends on it and, you know, um, adds a bunch of get specific stuff into there. So you can you can merge all the different conflict types uh, that you could possibly ever come up with from Git and be able to merge them inside of VS and never have to leave the IDE and go use that crazy command line. So that's all good. <laughs> nice. So you were saying about Update 2 and uh, the the... The settings you're alluding to something around there yeah andrea made a post which you can get at tinyurl.com tfs update 2 and what they're doing is the title of the post is update 2 offers settings preservation for in-place upgrades you know if you're like me and, and you want your upgrades to be next 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 and and to just work and if you've customized your tfs settings you know in the past you've on the application tier, you've made some tweaks to the ports or something else, and the, the old guidance was to manually uninstall the old version before installing and upgrading to the new version. Um, well, that would kind of like nuke those settings, and you'd have to, when you did the upgrades and did the, you'd have to put all that stuff in. Uh, the team has heard the cries of pain for people to doing that, and they're making this better. Now, this is the first step. There's, it's not 100% perfect, but in most cases, it works. Looks like it's going to work very well. Um, you know, the the idea is that again, they say even in the post next, next, next. That's the way to go, um, including you know SSL bindings, custom ports, um, all those good kind of things. They they will just make the changes in the web.config file. Um, to do that, what they've done is whitelisted some of the settings that you will commonly make. You know, that because it's a, a it's an IIS server and there's a web config file, you can make all sorts of changes to it. But there's a number of settings that they know that they kind of expect people to make changes, so they whitelist those. Um, when you do the upgrade in place, what it'll do is save your old web config for you in web.config.save. So if you've made some changes outside of the whitelist, even those hasn't been nuked, they're not you know immediately applied, but they're still there, so you can copy and paste them into the old web config. Um, you know, there's a few caveats that you'll want to read and go to the post and read. Not a many, but it's just, you know, kind of like uh, it, what the old guidance was versus what the new guidance, 
You know, basically is that when this comes out, you don't manually uninstall the old version. You have to break that habit of uninstalling the old version before uninstalling the new version. Basically, you'll just run this one and this will do all of the uninstall, but keep the settings that it's supposed to set. So when it applies the new one, it can bring those back. So... And this was based directly on the feedback that you know we've been hearing people giving us about the updates. People, you mentioned yourself, you're really nervous about doing that uninstall before installing, mm-hmm. and it just felt so counterintuitive. So um, yeah, this is one of the things I'm really enjoying about having this frequent release cycle that we are actually able to to hear that feedback soon enough that we can go make changes and, and actually fix it before it ships in the final product. So all good stuff. Time of the show, Greg. Yep, we're episode 57 of Radio TFS is brought to you by SAS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com. That's www.sasmadeeasy.com or via email at sales at sasmadeeasy.com. It was a shame that uh, Paul couldn't join us today, but... um, Got to thank him for helping us bring you guys this show. Definitely. And speaking of the show, let's get back to it. So, Greg, so, how's the, how the, um, have you finally upgraded to TFS? You, you haven't upgraded to TFS 2012 yet, have you not? Is that what you're telling me? That is true, but just this morning, I actually kicked off our project, You know, sent out the email. We made the decision that it is time to upgrade our TFS. And one of the things I wanted to pick your brain about, mm-hmm. um, our TFS is getting a little bit cranky. It's acting a little bit weird. So both in looking to resolve that, we're going to take this opportunity to say, you know what, when we installed this, as many shops do, very especially small shops, you know, let's just throw this up and l- let's make it run. And we try to make the intelligent decisions when we installed this a year ago, but now things have changed. We're growing. So, and plus we want to upgrade to 2012. So I kicked off the project this morning. It's like, okay, we're going to, you know, make this real let's get let's get a good box for it let's you know plan this out a little bit let's make sure we have our disaster recovery because you know our 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 ip is in our code um but in the meantime while we you know get that hardware and provision it and get all the bios and that kind of stuff we, we do have a cranky tfs it works in most cases fine but some things it's acting weird and being that i'm doing this podcast i've Fallen into the accidental TFS admin role, and what and do you mean what I, by it's it's doing cranky, weird things? What sort of things it, is happening? Yeah, it's <laughs> deleting a project, an empty project. You know, no, we're not talking a collection; we're just talking a project. Um, as of last, I checked, took is taken two days. What? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I asked my my coworker, and she says, "Oh, I just thought it was TFS." It's like. No, I don't think so. I don't usually delete projects that often, but uh, no, it's that's not the just TFS. I think we've got a problem. Uh, and, and can you agree with me that deleting a TFS project <laughs> should not be 
yeah, anything should, more than minutes at most. It shouldn't be taking two days. It actually shouldn't be doing that much work at all. It kind of should just be flagging it for delete, and then the job comes along and tidies everything up. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, how about like doing uh, doing gets and like is source control performing okay? Yeah, yeah, that that part is working good. The 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 check ins and check outs and the gets and the creating work items and running queries and all that seems to be working fine. It's just we had the deleting the projects, um, and we're trying to create a new collection, a whole new collection. Which, mm-hmm. in hindsight, we I, I've again playing with the role that I'm at. I'm, I'm kind of counseling our users. They were using TFS wrong. So I, I'm going to, you know, I was making fun of them to the point where it's, okay, Greg, shut up and show me how we should be doing it. Like, oh, yeah. darn. <laughs> That's the problem with speaking up. Um, so, and it's a team project creation is also taking a long time, is it? Not even project creation. Project creation is working fast. Okay. That's why. That's what's weird. Uh, but it was a collection. We wanted to create an entirely new collection because we had a different, you know, security boundary for this collection, uh, a, a new set of users for it, and potentially wanted to move it as a unit onto a different server. You know, potentially. Yeah. No, normally, if people are having performance issues, the thing I would normally look at is look check your SQL logs because um, mm-hmm. you probably not doing backups of your SQL database. And so, you know, you've got, you're getting the logs are just building up and up and up. So just, um, yeah, be taking regular backups and making sure you're tidying up, you know, doing normal database maintenance stuff. But that would normally show itself through like get slowing down or, you know, general database performance things. But the, 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 the problem you're describing sounds some like some sort of timeout happening or and that's normally when there's like a networky problem or there's something that is that's very weird the 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 tips i would give would be to have you tried running the best practice analyzer on your server we did we were yeah, I really don't trust our server because we had some other issues uh-huh. uh, when I first was coming on board, and I had to reapply. You know, in the uh, TFS admin console, you can reapply security settings. Yeah. Um, so I had to do that to make our uh, work item stuff work. So mm. at that point, I installed. Uh, it was like BPA. getting a blue screen. You were like, you know. I don't trust it. Once you've had a blue screen from the machine, you're trusting it completely shot, even if you think you trust it. Yeah, which is the whole one of the other things too, and the, uh, why we're just I just want to spin up new hardware. And we've actually got it separated out. We got it multi-tier. We got our application tier on one box and our our uh, data tier on another box, which was way overkill for yeah. us. Yeah, I would just um, for you. I mean, if you want to have that flexibility in the future. Feel free to do it in a couple of VMs, you know, and then that way, and that makes backing up easier as well, because then you can just back up your VM, you know, and restore it and things if you if you have have problems. So, but um, yeah, my advice would be to try the best practice analyzer. Uh, try looking at the event logs and you know those sorts of usual things. See if you can see something weird there. Usually, it's like say SQL is the problem, but your problem. Does sound a bit odd. So if you can't resolve it there, then and you didn't want to upgrade your entire server, which sounds like what you're up to. But you know, if you didn't want to resolve it that way, then um, look, then definitely for that sort of problem you're talking about, I would call the good folks that you know use some use your product support entitlements that you get with MSDN and actually give uh, give product support a call. They're very good guys, and if it turns out to be um, if it turns out to be an issue with TFS, 
and they try their hardest to make it sound like an issue with TFS, so you don't get charged for it. It doesn't <laughs> use it one of your credits, but if it does, and it's just you know, and it was error between keyboard and chair, then great, they'll they'll uh, they'll help you get back up and running. But if it turns out it was actually there's actually something going wrong there, then yeah, then they'll help you find that as well. SQL is normally the 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 chief um, the chief problem area that people have, um, and then I would also encourage you to you know. Again, well, Hate to pimp the book, but if you want to get pro TFS 2012, then uh, chapter 19 <laughs> covers all about admin. And Grant Holiday actually wrote that chapter, so uh, you know he knows what he's talking about. And um, uh, I've done a um, accidental admin session, and Anthony Borton did an accidental admin session that we talked about once. Have a look at those sessions at TechEd, and you know it has some tips in there. But if you get the, if you get the book as well, that has all that stuff in it. So you mentioned jobs. What jobs are those? And where do they run? On what tier do they run? You know, you well, said that project is marked for deletion and then cleaned up later. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Okay. There's actually um, there's a bunch of uh, so on the the database tier is just the database. It's just you right. Know, uh, but on the application tier, um, as well as the IAS application, there are some jobs that run um, in the periodically and do things like. Uh, compress your source control database so that you're only storing the changes between versions of really old files or uh, delete, actually delete stuff you've said you wanted to delete, you know, you said you wanted to destroy or, um, yeah, tidy up jobs and maintenance jobs and things. Even, I mean, it does it a lot more than you would expect and we probably do it a lot more now that we're in, now that we're in a service as well because you kind of, you want to return back to your web application. Yep, done, got that. Uh, when actually you haven't finished all the work for it yet, you're not blocking the UI. You just, yep, receive that message. We'll do that for you. And then you go off and do that thing for them. So yeah. we have different priorities yeah. of of activity that we do. Like if you um, create an area path, you know, you, if you use the areas and iterations right. UI and create an area path or an iteration path, when you save that, that gets saved and it goes, yep, got it. And then it updates it so that somebody else looking at that dialogue will get it. And then actually a high priority background job then goes and adds those um, iteration paths and area paths into the work item metadata to actually, so that when you then in a work item, you can then select it and actually um, change, you know, assign this work item to a different iteration. So you might have noticed um, if you were to quickly edit an iteration, set it, and then go into work, go into an already open work item and try and uh, change the iteration path on it. Visual Studio wouldn't let you because the work item part of the code doesn't know about that iteration yet because <laughs> it's actually not as joined up as you might think. It's all like lots of background jobs that, that all. Uh, I, I bet you that's it because if I look at the the, the TFS admin console, the create jaw, uh, the create collection, the status is queued. The delete project status is queued. Yeah, it sounds like uh, there's I, some service that's not running or something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I, I, mean, I take it you've switched it off and on again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done okay. the whole bounce, the application um, tier side. It, and that didn't it, seem it to might, do. There, there might be something as simple as, um, it, uh, as a password change that's not been applied to one of the services maybe. Um, so yeah have a look at those sorts of things and have a look in the event logs as well you might see something there that sounds like it might be I think it's like I'm trying to remember what the TFS 
job scheduler. I can't remember what the thing's called. Interestingly, on the service, because obviously the service is a bigger, like a slightly bigger TFS instance than your average normal person's TFS instance. So in Azure, we actually um, we install TFS, and you, you can't do this using the on-premise installer. It's you know, it's a special. All the logic's there. It's just a special install thing that we do was was just deploying it out to cloud. We actually install the application to your, you know, the web front end onto a bunch of web worker roles. And then we have a, a bunch of worker roles that are just job processing worker roles. And they're on separate machines in Azure and they run all asynchronously and, you know, and all different things. And we can we can increase and decrease the web worker roles separately to the job worker roles and also, you know, to control costs, but also to give people the performance they want. And it's all good. This actually bit me though. Um, this is just one of the ways, well, it's one of the ways that's good ways of building web UI. Cause again, you just want to say yes to the, yes, got it to the user, <laughs> move, give them a fast page, but then go do the hard work rather than locking, locking your IIS server and locking right. locking the web session while you actually go do it. So it's, it's good practice that way. But it's also good from a service point of view because you need fault tolerance in your service and you, you need to behave okay and degrade gracefully if things are going, you know, if things are not going quite right, if things are going slightly wrong. Um, an example where this happened to me recently was during when we announced the Git stuff, um, we announced Brian was on stage and as he was on stage, the embargo lifted on the Git news. And so all the press and Channel 9 and everybody um, started, you know, saying, Microsoft is shipping Git in TMS and Git Visual Studio. What's going on? You know, cats and dogs living together, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so a lot of traffic was hitting the service, like a lot of traffic, you know, in more than we would normally see in a week, sort of hitting in a, you know, in a spe- while Brian's on stage talking. And demoing against that same instance, you know. So he's demoing against demoing against production, obviously, and uh, the service is getting hammered by traffic. And what it does when it's getting hammered by traffic is the priorities of things happen, so that background jobs, you know, start queuing up and process when there's available resources to process them. So um, Brian did a, a commit using Git, and then went to view that commit in um, in the web. <laughs> And it wasn't linked to a work item. And he was like, Martin, <laughs> he <just laughs> me out on stage. Because it had worked during all of the like the preps and it always worked. For as long as we've been building it, it's always worked. And it didn't work the one time he was demo on stage. And I'm like, scratch my head. And I, I press, I go view that same change set on my monitor and it's linked. And I'm like, what's going on there? And then uh, we did a, we did, um, you know, a debrief as we always do after these sorts of things and try to figure out what the problem was. And it turned out that, um, the the job it's a it's one of these jobs which goes and processes the you know it associates the commits with the work items um after the the pushes come in and um it was one of these jobs that had come in and uh was running a bit slower than usual so normally it runs within a few milliseconds but it was taking like 750 milliseconds rather than the usual 40 or something like that. i can't quite remember what the number was and it just happened that brian had viewed the page so qu- you know so quickly after doing the push that we actually didn't you know it wasn't there but by the time i went to look at it it was there and i'm like what? Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah the there we go bug. That was that was a bit of a uh, a bit of a longer side, but hopefully it was interesting anyway. So um, go check your event logs, go check your passwords and stuff. Try BPA, um, but when you're doing the upgrade, it, if you can do a 
um, a machine, to, you know, a, a brand new machine upgrade, then that's going to mm-hmm. be, that's the safest and e- it's not the safest, but it's the easiest way for you because you've got a free backup there. You, you basically, you, know, you can, you can practice on the exact hardware that you're going to be using. Um, you can just practice and, and take the database, take a copy of it, bring it over to the new hardware, load it up, try the upgrade make sure it all works if it doesn't then you know figure out what the problems are keep doing it and then time it you know do it a couple of times time how long it's going to take and then then you can do it predictably it also means you can get the very very latest you, know, you can install windows server 2012 on that box and make sure it's 64 bit and you know get as get it as far as you can in terms of operating system and processor architecture and things like that on the machine and that way you know you'll be future proofed and you'll be able to do a few TFS upgrades before you have to do another, you know, like machine upgrade again. Yep, yep. And speaking of that, the ALM Rangers, it's that time of the show. Oh, yeah, Greg's uh, they've ALM actually, Ranger they're coming to, um They're coming to help. Uh, they have released a bunch more guidance. Uh, for example, uh, better unit testing using the Microsoft Fakes V1 ebook. And this, this is going to be, uh, you know, practical guidance on migrating to and unit testing with the Microsoft Fakes, which is their, you know, isolation framework. Um, walkthroughs, both basic and advanced. This is going to be a PDF book as well as a Mobi. Um, one of the other things that they release is a, you know, book that I'm going to be using very, you know, religiously in the next couple of days is the Team Foundation Server Upgrade Guide, which is the guidance on, you know, upgrading to TFS 2012. Funny that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they uh, also released, you know, the Server Planning Guide, uh, which I will be using, uh, Testing Tooling Guide. So this is a post by Richard Fennell that you can get at tinyurl.com, A-L-M, guide, G-U-I-D-E. And there's a direct downloads to um, all those new guidance and guides. Great. Well, talking about uh, guidance, if you went to um, TechEd Europe uh, last year, Ewald Hoffman did a great session, um, Dev217. Actually, if you go to tinyurl.com slash T-E-Dev217, you can see Eval's session. I think it's one we might have called out. I'm not sure, actually. I should check it. It was a really good session on how to customize the process templates, but more than just the normal customizations, it delved in, you know, doing like changing the agile planning tools to be to, to talk to a really, you know, wacky, non-scrum process um, and do all that sort of thing to prove that it can be done. It's not just the tooling is not just there for Scrum. It works against everything. And to kind of prove his point, um, he he did a little sample Dungeons and Dragons process template. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that title, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, nerds being nerds and the type of people that we that we all are when we go along to conferences. Evald was uh, inundated with requests to actually ship this Dungeons and Dragons process template. So if you go to tinyrl.com slash D template, you can get Ewald's um, sample Dungeons and Dragons process template and, and go have a play with it. And uh, I say it was a sample designed for a talk. Maybe, you know, you don't want to be uh, basing your entire where, whatever it is people do with uh, latex hammers and six-sided dice and things. But yeah, go, go do that and have that, have a look at the process template. If anything, it's um it's worth using when you watch it, you know, in a little sample virtual machine version of TFS um, and following through and actually following through the video and doing some of those customizations yourself. So it's great stuff. 
Nice. Yeah, speaking kind of off the wall, I came across this. Uh, yeah, everybody's seen the scrum diagrams from the product backlog, the product owner, and they draw little pictures of the people and the little circles and all that good kind of stuff. I saw this one. It's like, oh, that's cool. Uh, if you go to tinyurl.com, Anime Scrum, A-N-I-M-E-S-C-R-U-M. This is a different take on that uh, Scrum sprint diagram it is done in anime style so if anime is your thing or you're just looking for a very non a very friendly kind of way to uh talk about what uh, scrum sprints are all about you gotta check this out this is pretty awesome well if, if anime isn't your thing then maybe what is your thing is being able to right click on a unit test and get that create menu back look at that for a segue that was good. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I was impressed. Anyway, yeah, oh, that, was, that was terrible. Uh, if you, um, but uh, good old El Bruno, he's back to the case again. He's got a phenomenal blog post over at tinyurl.com slash right-click test. And uh, it's good because not only does it do something useful, you know, adding the right-click uh, create unit test feature back into Visual Studio, but it also shows you how to extend Visual Studio <laughs> in a really simple way and actually get in there and, and, and extend the IDE. So um, it's, a, it's a great post. Bruno uh, links to a couple of different blog posts for where there's even more detail. But, yeah, just go along to tinyurl.com slash right-click test. And speaking of extending Visual Studio... Adrian Ryan's got a post that uh, on uh, genetic.com, which you can get at tinyurl.com, W-I-S-R-D-E-V. And he goes from concept to packaging and deployment on creating a Visual Studio 2012 Team Explorer extension for a search and replace in a work item. Uh, and, and this is a great – it's a long tutorial. It's – I thought it was really interesting that it was coming from outside of Microsoft. You know, it's kind of like coming from the field. These guys, you know, you've heard of Magenta a lot. You know, they work a lot with Microsoft and they do a lot of other engagements. So this is something that looks to be yeah, from, you know, pain. This is pain that he's had. It's like as the usual dev things like, okay, I've done this once manually. That's fine. I've done it twice manually. This is really irritating. Three times I'm automating this beast. So that is exactly what this post looks like. And he goes from creating the Visual Studio package to the user interface stuff. So it's not just extending TFS, but it's extending Visual Studio and creating your own custom package and how to hook it up to. So when you right mouse click on a My Bugs query, the search and replace menu item, context menu item shows up. Uh, I thought that was a great post. So. And even doing it MVVM, you know, if I property notify changed and and all that good kind of stuff. So, and you were saying, Martin, when you were looking through this? Yeah, it was great. I was looking through and I was thinking, oh, no, I hope they're not doing, you know, a, a thousand work item saves individually sort of thing. Uh, but no, he's doing it right. He's using the batch save event and, and things like that. So, no, it's uh, really good, really, really impressive work. Great. Well, I think... 
that's a show. Definitely is a show. So if you've got any um, questions or feedback, then l- please do send them along. We've been getting some great stuff coming along lately. If you want to um, email radiotfs at gmail.com, that's great. We, we have a lot of people doing that. And not just your random TFS questions, because we, you know, while we try and help answer them, they're not always, we can't always even make a show out of them. So if, you, if you've got suggestions of things as well that you like on the show, then uh, please do email us, radiotfs at gmail.com. And of course, if you sat in the car right now, sat in traffic listening to things you can um call us on the phone at um 1425 233 8379 okay thank you very much for your time and we'll speak to you next time on radio tfs